title of the message is Transformed. Last week, we read First Corinthians, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 on uh, our teach, fifth grade teacher, Sarah Emerson, on her outside of her door. The, these verses are, I beseech you, I beg you, uh, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, sistern, kids, or fellow believers, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just to be expected. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Uh, I don't know if you can tell what this is. But what, is, what does it look like? Well, yeah, I, I can see it. It, uh, it looks like a robot to me. At least uh, that's what it looks like now. It's like a robot. We'll see what it becomes. There's a transformation. It's called a transformer for a reason. Because it begins one way and it can end up another way. Uh, that's what God, or the Holy Spirit, tells us in Romans to be transformed, to be changed. What are we to be changed into? Just as several of the songs uh, sung about that, Abba Father, and then also the Peterson's last one especially, that we become or are to become conformed to the image of his son, Romans uh, eight twenty nine. That's the goal, is to be conformed to the image of his son so those around us might see Christ because we are transformed. Now, just seeing Jesus does not transform us because last week we saw that the uh, demons were not transformed. Now, granted, they could not be. They did come and they fell down before Jesus and they knew that they couldn't run and hide from him, otherwise it would have stayed up in the tombs. But they came down, they couldn't hide from Christ, they came down, fell down before him, and uh, they were not transformed. They begged him, send, don't send us into the abyss. Don't cast us into a bottomless pit. Uh, send us into the swine there on the hill. And you know that they were not changed or transformed just because... The, they fell down before Jesus. They were, they, before, they were violent with this, within this individual, cutting himself, falling upon those that would walk by the, the cemetery there, uh, beating him up, and uh, while, when they were arresting him, he would, uh, they would tear the chains apart, and so he was violent, or these demons were violent. What were they when they went into the, uh, the uh, pigs? Just as violent, they ran violently down the shore and into the sea. They were bent on destruction. That's what demons are. They hate people. Apparently, they hate bacon. I don't know, because uh, <laughs> they went violently into the sea. Uh, so they were not transformed, though they saw Jesus. Uh, well, only the old people will know what this is. Only us. 
Now, it started out as a uh, robot, and now it's, uh, admit it, guys, you walk down the street, <laughs> you know, uh, blaring only, it was like this big walking. Uh, but it changed, it transformed into something different. That's what the goal is, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's what we see happening here in Luke chapter 8. Uh, the pig watchers, they saw Jesus. I say pig watchers because I've heard it, them described as pig herders. <laughs> but working with pigs all the years I did out in Montana, uh, you don't herd pigs anyplace. I mean, you take big panels and you, you go and attack them and try to get them into some place. But the pig watchers, they saw Jesus. They saw him perform a miracle. They, uh, they saw the demons leave this man and uh, go into the pigs and run down the, the bank and they saw Jesus was in control and they were not transformed. Uh, there are a lot of people that see Jesus, lots of people here in the United States that say, oh, we, we know who Jesus is. There are some places where they don't know who Jesus is. And here, every, everybody knows who Jesus is. Usually, it's a, a curse word, only now they're getting worse than, than that. But uh, they saw Jesus, and they were not transformed. The townspeople, they saw Jesus before they were prosperous because of their bacon factories or whatever they were raising the pigs for, uh, food, I'm sure, they were prosperous. They were preoccupied. They allowed the uh, pig watchers, as it says here, pig watchers to watch over their, their uh, pork bellies or their stock market funds, uh, whatever. And they saw Jesus. After they saw Jesus, how did they respond? Okay, now we get into verse 35. This is kind of where we left off. Verse 35, then they went out to see what was done. And came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And how did they respond? They were afraid. They were afraid. So they saw Jesus. They were even afraid. They feared. Now, why did they fear? Well, that's the way we see Jesus. That ought to be the way we see Jesus. Uh, what did Isaiah do in, uh, when he saw, see, uh, saw God on his throne? He fell before God and he said, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people that are unclean. Uh, he, he feared. What about the disciples? I, it's interesting that this is verse 35. Look at verse 25 of the same chapter. Verse 25, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. So what did they do when they saw Jesus? They'd been with Jesus for a long time. They feared when they saw Jesus. What did John the disciple that uh, had a, a special connection to Jesus, probably because he was maybe the youngest kid out in these disciples. What did John do when he saw Jesus after the resurrection? And he wrote this, 
in his book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 1, when it said, uh, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Fear. I think we've lost a lot of fear for God. I think we, now we, we want uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, and we do have a great friend. And we have a father that we can cry to, and we sang about that, that we can come before him. He loves us. He's made us his children. And so that, that takes away a certain edge of the fear. But I think even as Jesus said, uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. How do, should we respond? I think a, 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 with, with the respect and a bit of fear to God. When we see God, when we see him work, I hope that you're watching for his work in your life. I hope that when the light turns, you're in a hurry and the light turns green right when you get there, I hope you say, thank you, Jesus. And if you're riding with me, expect that. Thank you, Jesus. What a weird guy. But uh, recognize God. And, and I, God might be in heaven saying, hey, I didn't change that light. I don't care. I'm going to thank him anyway. And I'm sure he appreciates me watching and you as well. So we can call him Abba Father, but with honor, respect. Why did they fear? The townspeople fear. Uh, a few guesses might be uh, they saw the power of a changed life, of a transformed life. They saw something completely new, and it, and it scared them uh, for several reasons, I'm sure. But uh, when you, uh, you see something unexpected, it can be frightening. It was in the Manchester Times, and I think I got it from the Reader's Digest, that, that a taxi driver picked up. Uh, a ride, a passenger, and, and they driving to this, his place, and the, the passenger had a question for the taxi driver, and so he tapped him on the shoulder. The guy screamed, lost control of the taxi, went over the median. It barely missed uh, head-on with a bus. It went up on the sidewalk in front of a store and uh, stayed there, and the passenger said, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And the taxi driver said, no, no, it's my fault. He says, this is my first day on the job. I've been driving a hearse for 25 years. <laughs> and the tap was unexpected. Um, when, when things like that happen, and things that normally don't happen, we can be afraid. We can fear, even as this town did. Maybe they feared, though, because they knew they needed to change. Ever met anybody that said, I can't get saved? I'd have to stop drinking. Now, you, you didn't even mention drinking. Didn't even mention, I'd have to stop uh, using drugs. I can't get saved. Why? Because I'll have to change. We're not talking about change. We're talking about Jesus as your Savior. Given your sin to him, I have to change. Well, at least they're smart enough to know that God loves us where we are, but he, won't, he loves us too much to leave us there. 
And there will be changes, but when you're saved, you have a Holy Spirit in there that gives you the power to change. And that's something that's between you and the Lord. And he will work on you if, if it's something that you need to change. But maybe they realize that they've seen the change in this man. Are we going to have to change? I uh, led a young man to the Lord. He got saved. He started to come to church. Uh, and he sat right over there. And uh, after... I think probably three weeks, he said, Pastor, I can't come to church anymore. Why? Why? Well, my wife doesn't want me to. Why? Well, my wife told me that she married a Catholic, not a Baptist. And so I can't. Which, fear, uh, change is, is fearful. Making changes. The, uh, some are fearful to make change because they will face persecution. The, the rest of the kids, the rest of the guys, if I got saved, what are they going to think? And maybe that's you. Maybe you have a spouse that, that says, uh, yeah, I don't want to be married to a fanatic. I don't want to marry the goody two-shoes or whatever they're called. Uh, I, but some places they're afraid of persecution. Some places they are afraid of execution. But usually in the places where they could be executed, they are coming to Jesus because they finally find hope. And they're getting saved there even though they face execution. Here in the United States, we don't get saved because we might have to give up whatever. And so uh, maybe they feared that. Maybe they feared because they were facing financial loss. Do you know that there are some people that, that determine whether something is right or good because of how it affects their pocketbooks? Yeah, really. Even right here in the United States. I know, uh, you know, for a, a couple piddly trillion dollars... We can all get $1,400. You know, that's, that's great. It must be right because it's going to make things a little easier, making the payment on that four-wheeler or jet ski or whatever it is. You know, what, what are you spending your stimmy on, you know? Uh, it's got to be right because it's, it, it's getting money into my pocket. So uh, what do we learn from this. Pigs are more important than a person, right? Uh, I, we wish we had our pigs back and the guy can go back uh, to the tombs. So pigs are more important, but that's true today. I mean, the treatment of animals, they, uh, they get treated than, better than unborn babies, especially. Um, because of how it affects your pocketbook. In fact, if it's going to be a hindrance to a woman, then she should just eliminate it. Ah, but that's the same thing that's happening here. It's happening in our 
country as well. And it's not going to stop with preborn babies. I mean, it's already in other places, and it's heading here, and the talk is here for sure. As soon as you, as soon as you stop producing, or if you are handicapped in some way, why not eliminate you? You're not producing anything. Uh, you're not, uh, there's the, the pigs on the mountain. Uh, they're producing. Keep them. Destroy everyone else. Boy. When I read this, and I placed myself in this, this uh, situation, and the townspeople are upset, well, they're fearful, they're upset, they're angry, and they're telling them to just get in the boat and get out of here. I want to stand on the hillside where the pigs were, and I want to yell to them and say, what are you doing, folks? Well, what, don't you see that this could be the very best day of your life? Go back into the city and get all your lame and your blind and your halt and your, uh, those with leprosy and bring them all to Jesus. This could be the greatest thing that ever happened to your city, but they didn't do it. They turned their back on Jesus and said, get out of here because we've lost our income. People are more concerned about their income than they are about people. We know then that apparently a person is worth, according to God, 2,000 hogs. I don't know what that price comes to, but uh, that's what they paid for the life of this demoniac. So why did they fear? Maybe it was monetary loss. We... Uh, so how much is a, a preborn valued at, I think, 2,000 hogs at least? And yet people do not see that here. How much is a soul on the mission field valued at? You know, missionaries, they have to raise a lot of money to go to the mission field. And you say, oh, what, all that money? Man, we're pouring all that money in. How many souls has he won to the Lord this year? Well, maybe he's got a, uh, maybe he's led one or two, and you say, oh, one or two souls for all the money that we put, put into him. Uh, maybe he's got a whole bunch of pre-Christians. They're waiting, and in the next year, they will come to know Christ. So a soul is worth at least 2,000 pigs. One soul is transformed. Verse 27 says, uh, And when he went forth to land, there met him, oh, there was a certain man out of the city, a certain man, which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So here is a, uh, the demoniac. He is a self-centered man before he sees Jesus. I say self-centered because aren't we all self-centered? Before and after, often. Here's a self-centered man. He thought only of himself. He didn't think about his wife, his kids, his family. We don't know if he had any of those. But if he did, he didn't think about society. He didn't think of what he could do for people. What did he do? He ran through the tombs, he cut himself, and he beat up people. He's a self-centered man. Everything revolved around him. 
And yet I catch myself finding that everything's revolving around me. Whenever I get angry, it's because I am on the throne. If I get angry, it's because somebody has stepped into my space or made me slow down on the highway. And uh, how did I get behind this person? You know, must be, must be an old person like me. And, uh, and because we are self-centered people, we are just like the demoniac. And here he had no concern for those around him, no job. He was imprisoned, but he escapes. No house. He sleeps in his car. No, in his tomb. But you know what I mean, because we hear the testimonies, and, uh, and the only reason we hear testimonies from Teen Challenge guys is because they're honest. And that song, if the truth be told, the truth is seldom told, and I, I believe that is true. We are uh, afraid to tell people what we really were like, or what we are like, and what we need help with. And by Teen Challenge guys, they, they will get up here and they will say, yeah, I started drinking, I started doing drugs, and I lost my, my wife, and I lost my kids, and I lost my house, and I lost my job, I lost uh, my place in society, sleeping in my car, just like this guy, just like we are, if we're honest, maybe to a lesser degree. But here's this guy, one scary dude hurting himself, hurting others. He's a self-centered man. He's a dominated man because sin always dominates you, drags you down. And like we say with the prodigal son, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. Always, 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 always. Why? Because sin is out to destroy. Demons are out to destroy. They hate People. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. And so here's a dominated man. It says, verse 27, it says, uh, long time. Out of the city, a certain man which had devils a long time. A long time. How long will sin keep you? A long time. Unless you use the power of the Holy Spirit and break from sin, it will keep you a long time. That's why there's the, the, the phrase, the dirty old man, old, because sin has kept him a long time. That's what it wants to do. It controls us. He, uh, it's not just one drink or one party or one click uh, on porn. Or one fling or one affair, it's not just one. One leads to two, and two leads to domination. Because that's what sin does a long time. So uh, then we see, he sees Jesus. He is transformed. The rest saw Jesus, they were not. The demons were cast out. He finds himself on his face before Jesus. And uh, the great transformer steps in and transforms that man. No one else could change him. 
Society couldn't change him, even though they arrested him. The police couldn't change him. The courts couldn't change him. His wife, if he has one, I, uh, his, the begging couldn't change him. The manipulating of a spouse could not change him. The tears of the kids could not change him. But Jesus could change him. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about change for us. Without Jesus Christ, you may change a little bit. But you'll never change forever because someday you will, leave, you will die, you will leave this earth, and you will go to the place of judgment created for the devil and his angels. Now, he wasn't created for us, but if you leave here without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you could die on your way out and go to hell. Jesus wants to transform you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new, are being transformed in us. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Until you come to Jesus Christ, you are dead, dead spiritually. The power of God changes, changes this man it changed his conduct. It says he's sitting, he's controlled, before he was running around and cutting himself. It changed his appearance. He is clothed before he's running naked through the tombs. It changed his thinking. It says he's sitting here in his right mind. They came and they saw him sitting in his right mind. It changed his thinking. His focus now was upon Jesus. It changed his desire. He said, I want to be with you, Jesus. It changed his purpose. Because God says, I've got a purpose for you. It's to return to your city. Return to your town. You used to beat up people. Now you share Jesus Christ with them. It changed his testimony. He had a testimony then. Verse 39, he published throughout the whole town the transformation that Jesus had brought to his life. He gave his testimony. Have you ever given your testimony to anybody and said, Jesus has saved me? I mean, anybody. Dads, do your kids know that you've been changed? I cringe when I come to a funeral and I talk to the kids and the kids say, I, uh, I don't know if dad was a believer or not. Why not? Because he didn't give his testimony. It changed his influence. He had an influence on, uh, uh, on no one. And now he goes back into the town there. Look at verse 40, uh, verse 39. And he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done. Um, so uh, it changed his influence there. So what a remarkable transformation. Radically changed. New heart, delivered from Satan, delivered from darkness into light, made a new creature in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered from hell, given eternal life in heaven. Hey, <laughs> that's my transformation. If you've come to Christ, that's your transformation. Very same transformation. Has it taken place? I pray that it has. Okay, whose prayer did Jesus answer with affirmative, with a yes. The uh, Satan worshiper, the demons, 
The demon said, hey, let us, uh, please, Lord, uh, let us go into the pigs. Okay, yes. Check. The, uh, the town people come and say, or the, the ones prospering from something that was illegal in the Jewish culture, and they're prospering, and they say, Jesus, get out of here. You've destroyed our livelihoods. Uh, get in the ship and leave. Yes, check. So he's answered positively two prayer requests. The third one, the Baptist, young Baptist missionary, just the, ba- the Baptist just thrown in there. Um, he says, I want to go with you, Jesus. Please let me go with you. No. No. I want you to go back to town. You've got more influence there than anybody in the world right now. More than me, because they don't want me. You go back in. You be the testimony you need to be. Hey, where are you? Have you been transformed? If you have, are you in the place of this young missionary? Where is your mission field? That's between you and God. Holy Spirit is going to tell you, stop, help that guy out. Help him change his tire. Stop. Uh, Uh, go help your neighbor cut down that tree. Share Jesus with them. Hey, give this waitress a track. Give her a New Testament, like Dick Dean always did. Hundreds of New Testaments. Where's your mission field? Well, I don't want to go there. I want to just go to First Baptist Church and sit and sing. No. No. Jesus say, no. Get out of the pew. And get into the world where you can have an influence on those that need Jesus. That's the question that I ask us, myself, this morning. Let's pray. Father, you know my need. You know how this passage affected me. I pray, Lord, that that I might see my mission field. And it might not be the mission field I want because I might be uncomfortable for me. I'd sooner just go to heaven. Lord, I pray every day that you'll come back and take us away. Why? Because I might be uncomfortable having to share Jesus with somebody around me today or tomorrow. So, yes, I I admit, I pray that you might come back, but you keep saying, no, not today. Because I've got a job for you. Go back into town. Share Christ. Maybe that's what Jesus is telling you today. So as we close, you decide. I've seen Jesus today, but have you let him transform you? You have seen Jesus today. Have you been transformed? Then do you know where he wants you? I pray that you'll determine that. Lord, touch our hearts change us, transform us, prepare us for our small groups. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.